بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله ونشهد ان سيدنا وحبيبنا ومولانا محمد عبده ورسوله اما بعد respected elders and dear brothers the illustrious sahabi and companion of rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam al-bara bin azib radiyallahu ta'ala anhu describes a scene for us from the expedition of al-khandaq the battle of the trench he says that we were digging this trench Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had employed this military strategy in order to keep the enemy out of Al-Madinatul Munawwarah. In this trench, Al-Bara bin Azibin radiallahu ta'ala describes, under difficult circumstances, very difficult conditions. He says, we then encountered this large boulder and a huge rock. And with all the instruments that we had, we could not penetrate the rock and we could not shatter it and it acted as a barrier between us and the digging of the trench we could not proceed any further fashtakayna ila rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wasallam we went to rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and we informed the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam of the predicament that sta faja'a fa akhadha al-mi'wal Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came, he picked up the instrument, the very instruments that they were using, he picked, and he went down himself into the trench. Bara bin Azibin radiallahu ta'ala who says, فَضَرَبَ ضَرْبَةً فَكَسَرَ ثُلُثُهَا Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam struck the boulder, and with such intensity, with such force, that one third of it gave way and broke off. And as Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam struck the boulder, he says that Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam shouted out, Allahu Akbar, u'titu mafatiha shah. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam shouted out, what did he say? Allah is the greatest. I am definitely going to be given the keys of the land of Palestine. Fasih of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Shaddad bin Aws radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he says that, once the Prophet wasallam saw him in a very perturbed and a very worried condition. And Rasulullah said to him, Malaka ya Shaddad, Oh Shaddad, what is the matter with you? Why do you seem to be so worried and perturbed? You seem very uncomfortable. Shaddad radiallahu ta'ala who says, Ya Rasulullah, daqat biyad dunya. It seems as if the world has become constrained and constricted for me. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam then said to Shaddad, Laysa alayk, don't worry Shaddad, inna shab, the land of Sham, the land of Palestine, will be conquered. It will be opened for my ummah. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave him the good news, that listen Shaddad, fatakuna anta wa waladuk a'immatan fihim insha'Allah, you and your children will lead the salah in al-masjidul aqsa. Fast forward, it's the 11th year of Hijrah. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam departs from this world without 
without witnessing the fulfillment of his own prophecy. It's the era of Abu Bakr ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the Khalifa of the Muslim world, Amir al-Mu'mineen. He mobilizes the Muslim forces and the Muslim armies in the direction of the land of Asham. Why? Because that was the planned military operation of the Prophet ﷺ just before his demise. So he wants to accomplish that plan of the Prophet ﷺ. The forces move into the land of Asham. They begin conquering city after city, region after region, until there is a decisive battle that is fought between the Muslim armies and the superpower of the time, the Byzantine Empire, the Roman Empire. They were governing the land of Asham. Palestine, Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa was considered to be part of their territories and they were ruling over that region and that part of Sham. The command of the Muslim army, the famous battle takes place, the decisive battle, the battle, the outcome of which paves the way for the Muslims to take over Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa and to walk into the land of Jerusalem as the conquerors of Jerusalem. So the command of the Muslim army is Khalid ibn al-Walid radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Khalid ibn al-Walid, the historians write, فَخَرَجَ فِي سِتَّةٍ وَثَلَاثِينَ كَرْدُوسًا كُلُّ كَرْدُوسٍ أَلْفُ رَجُلٍ عَلَيْهِمْ أَمِيرٌ He mobilized an army of 36,000 Muslims. Most of them are Sahaba, eminent, illustrious Sahaba of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. وَجَعَلَ أَبَا عُبَيْدَةَ فِي الْقَلْبِ He appoints Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah as the general of the central regiment of the Muslim army. وَعَلَى الْمَيْمَنَةِ عَمْرَ بْنَ الْعَاسِ وَمَعَهُ شُرَحْبِيلَ بْنَ حَسَنَةِ And then he appoints Amr ibn al-Asi. These are great, great Sahaba. Amr ibn al-Asi and Khalid ibn al-Walid radiallahu ta'ala anhumah, both of them embraced Islam on the same day. So he appoints Khalid ibn al-Walid, he appoints Amr ibn al-Asi and Shurahbil ibn Hasana as the generals of the right flank of the Muslim army and he appoints Yazid ibn Abi Sufyan as the general of the left flank of the Muslim army. The Muslim army, 36,000 in number, a significant amount, a sizable amount, perhaps the biggest amount, the greatest number that they had seen in the form of a military expedition. But compare that to the Romans. Compare that to the Byzantine Empire and it seems as an insignificant amount. They are up against a Roman army of 240,000 soldiers. The battle takes place and there's intense fighting that happens and when the battle is at a very critical point, very critical point, there is a messenger that rushes with an urgent message. And he comes to Khalid bin Walid, the commander-in-chief of the Muslim forces and the commander of the military operation. He comes to Khalid bin Walid, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he receives the letter. What's written in the letter? Inna siddiqa radiallahu anhu qad tuwuffiya wastakhlafa Umar. Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu has passed away and he has pointed Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu as the Khalifa. They receive this news. 
of the demise of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, when this battle is at its peak. What does Khalid bin Walid radiallahu ta'ala anhu do with this message? And there's one additional instruction that is directed to Khalid bin Walid from Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, oh Khalid, vacate your position. Vacate your position as the commander-in-chief of the Muslim forces and hand over that position to Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Khalid ibn al-Walid, he realizes and he understands that the best thing for me to do right now is to not disclose the contents of this letter. Two reasons. One is, it's not the ideal time for us to now appoint a new commander-in-chief of the Muslim forces. And number two, should the Muslims hear about the demise of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, should they hear of the demise of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, it will, and they will lose courage, and it might, it might interfere with the enthusiasm and the zeal with which they are fighting this battle and fighting the war. This battle of Yarmouk, it was fought in the month of Rajab. And it was won and a decisive victory was the Muslims in the 15th year of Hijrah. Thereafter, after the battle of Yarmouk, the decisive battle that was won by the Muslims, Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah he is now the commander-in-chief of the Muslim forces. No longer Khalid ibn al-Walid so after the battle, he held a council of war to discuss future plans. What do we do now? Where do we proceed? So there are two, two options. They either proceed to the coastal city of Caesarea or they march towards the holy land of Jerusalem, Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. And there is a discussion around this. Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah radiallahu ta'ala he knows both these cities are very strategic, very important. So he writes a letter to Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala seeking counsel from Umar radiallahu ta'ala Umar radiallahu ta'ala he replies and he orders Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah radiallahu ta'ala to capture the land of Jerusalem, to proceed towards al-Masjid al-Aqsa. And that's exactly what Abu Ubaidah radiallahu ta'ala does and they marched towards the land of Jerusalem. When the Muslims arrived at Jerusalem, they have suffered the biggest blow ever during the battle of Yarmouk. So when he moves with this force and they arrive at the outskirts of Jerusalem, the Byzantine army, they withdraw into the fortified city. Jerusalem was a very well fortified city. So immediately what they do, they do not have the courage and the ability and the resources to fight against this Muslim army. So they withdraw and they go into the city of Jerusalem and they shut all the doors. They lock themselves up in the city of Jerusalem. The Muslim troops, they besieged the city for a period of at least four months. Four months. They did not want bloodshed. Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah radiallahu ta'ala who did not want to engage in war. So they decided that they will press on the siege until the Byzantines ran short of supplies and they experienced a bloodless surrender. Now, the city at that time, or the forces were under the direct command of the patriarch, bishop of Jerusalem, 
His name was Sophronius. Sophronius, he is now the patriarch of Jerusalem and he is commanding the forces of that region. So Sophronius, the archbishop, he decides to surrender the city. He says, fine, I will surrender the city. No war will take place. No need for us to fight. We will pay the jizya. We will pay the tax that is legislated by the Muslim state. But we will not hand over the key to you, O Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah. We will not hand over the key of Jerusalem to you, nor will we hand it over to Amr bin As of the senior Sahaba present in the Muslim army at this point. We will only hand the key over to Amir al-Mu'mineen, Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala, who is seated in Madinah al-Munawwarah. When he makes this request, Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah radiallahu ta'ala, he immediately writes a letter to Umar radiallahu ta'ala, when the letter leaves the land of Jerusalem and the land, along with the letter, there is a delegation of Christians. Sophronius, the archbishop, he sends a delegation of Christians along with the messenger so that the message is delivered to Umar When they come to Medina to Munawwara, Think about it. They are going to deliver a message to the most powerful man on earth, Umar radiallahu ta'ala. So what are they expecting? When they come to Al-Madinah to Munawwara, they are directed to a little hut. Where is the house of Umar? That's the house. They are amused. They are fascinated. They can't wrap their minds around the reality of what they are witnessing. They go to the home, they go to the masjid, somebody says, he's somewhere. We saw him sitting by himself on one piece of mat in Al-Madinah to Munawwara. And eventually they locate Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala seated by himself. No bodyguards, no throne, no pomp, no fanfare. Umar radiallahu ta'ala one great lesson we learn from this conquest of Jerusalem is the authenticity of Umar. He was authentic. He was genuine. He was real. He was not one for pomp and for glory and for fanfare and celebrations. He was authentic. And that is what you and I perhaps are lacking in our lives. The authenticity and through which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the ummah the izzah, the honor, the reverence that he had earned before the superpowers of the world. The letter is delivered to Umar. Umar radiallahu ta'ala informs them. He says, go back to Jerusalem. I will hold counsel with the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala majma'in in al-Madinah to Munawwara. Fastashara Umar al-Nas. Ibn Kathir rahimahullah writes, Umar radiallahu ta'ala immediately called for counsel. Council was held and he asked for opinions. Do I proceed? Do I not proceed? Uthman radiallahu ta'ala who was present. Uthman says, O oh, Umar, do not proceed. La yarkab ilayhim liyakuna ahqara lahum wa arghama liunufihim. Don't go. Why? Why should you go? Why should you leave the seat of government? Why should you leave the seat of leadership and undertake such a difficult journey? to receive the keys of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, remain in Al-Madinah Al-Munawwara. Ali radiallahu ta'ala who was present. 
He had a different opinion and a different suggestion. Oh Umar, I feel you should proceed. March towards Al-Jerusalem. Go towards the land of Palestine. Go personally and receive the key. Why? Oh Umar, our Muslim forces are there for four months. It's becoming difficult for them. It will be a source of comfort and ease for them. They can finally end the siege and return and come back home. Umar radiallahu ta'anhu likes the suggestion of Ali radiallahu ta'anhu and he immediately prepares to leave and undertake the long journey to the land of Sham to receive the keys of Baytul Maqdis and the holy land of Jerusalem. He appoints Ali radiallahu ta'anhu as the Khalifa of Al-Madinah to Munawwarah. Ali radiallahu ta'anhu is in charge of the affairs of Al-Madinah to Munawwarah. Umar radiallahu ta'anhu when he leaves it's him and his servant. Two of them. And, and he thinks nothing about it. He feels nothing about it. Umar is. He's being Umar ibn al-Khattab. It's the two of them. And they have one mount. They have one ride. And Umar he tells the servant, he tells the attendant, listen, we have one mount. Let's do this. I'll ride for a bit and you walk and then we'll take turns you ride I walk let's do that until we get to the land of Jerusalem the attendant he's not too comfortable he prefers that Umar radiallahu ta'ala rides the animal all the way but Umar radiallahu ta'ala insists this is the demand of justice this is the demand of justice it doesn't matter who's riding the horse whether I'm riding the horse or you are riding the horse it doesn't make a difference to my position as Amir al-Mu'mineen. I still remain the leader of the believers. Why? Allah gives honor. Not the type of vehicle I'm driving, not the kind of home I live in, not the type of position that I've assumed, not the type of skill that I have developed, not the level of knowledge that I enjoy. Allahumma malikal mulk, tu'til mulka man tasha. Oh Allah, you give sovereignty to whomsoever you wish. وَتَنْزِعُ الْمُلْكَ مِمَّنْ تَشَاءُ Oh Allah, you snatch away sovereignty from whomsoever you wish. وَتُعِزُّ مَنْ تَشَاءُ Oh Allah, you give عِزَّةً You give honor. You give respect. You give reference. وَتُذِلُّ مَنْ تَشَاءُ Oh Allah, you humiliate. And you dishonor and you disgrace whomsoever you want. عِزَّةً comes from Allah. Honor comes from Allah. Dignity comes from Allah. And Umar understands that. It doesn't make a difference. Whether I'm seated on the animal or I'm walking on the floor, I am still Amirul Mu'mineen. I am still the leader of the faithful. Because that Izzah and that honor was conferred upon me by the owner of Izzah. By Allah who is Rabbul Izzah, the Lord of all grandeur and honor, reverence and dignity. Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he proceeds, there are some incidents that happen along the way, we do not have time to go into some of the incidents and some of the experiences that he has along the way. Umar radiallahu ta'ala arrives at a place known as Al-Jabiyah. There's nothing left of that city this day. But Umar radiallahu ta'ala when he comes to the city of Al-Jabiyah, he firstly asks the people of that city, the people of that area, he asked them to introduce, to introduce him to their leader. Who is the leader? 
So the leader comes forward, Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the narration says that the people of Jabiyah, they describe Ali, uh, they describe Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and they said, Qadima Umar ibn al-Khattab al-Jabiyah ala tariqi ilah ala jamalin awraq wa alayhi qamisun min karabis. Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, as he came into al-Jabiyah, he is seated on a camel, right, and like an off-white camel, that was the color of the camel. He had on him a woolen garment, which was completely worn out, and it was torn on the side. It had some holes. So Umar after he met the leader, the leader, his name is Jalmus, or Jalumas, that was his name. So Umar said to the leader, do me a favor, I want to have this garment of mine that I'm wearing. I want to have it washed. I want to have it patched. I want to have it stitched together. Can I borrow a garment from you while you attend to that? So he says, by all means. So a garment is brought. Umar puts on the garment. He hands over this tattered garment of his. And it's washed. It's patched. It's sewn together. And it's brought for Umar radiallahu ta'ala this leader is, is absolutely starstruck and he's dumbfounded. This is the most powerful man on earth. And this is who he is. He does not even have a decent thing to wear. So he tells Umar Rajal, he says, Anta Malikul Arab. Umar, you are the king of the Arabs. You are the king of the Arabian Empire. وَهَذِهِ بِلَادٌ لَا تَصْرُحُ بِهَا الْإِبِلِ You are going to a people, you are going to an area where the camel is an inferior mode of transport. Really inferior mode of transport. Right? To put it in context. Umar, you're going to a place where they're driving Rolls Royces, Lamborghinis, Ferraris, Porsches, and you're pulling in Toyota Camry and you are the leader of the, the, the most powerful empire on earth he's being sincere he's giving Umar this piece of advice and he says فَلَوْ لَبِسْتَ شَيْئًا غَيْرَ هَذَا Umar wear something else put on another garment we can provide it for you وَرَكِبْتَ بَرْذُونًا and mount a bardoon. A bardoon is a, a, a horse of mean breed, like a mean machine. You get your good horse. Mount that. Why? You will earn more respect when you arrive in the land of the Romans. Umar radiallahu ta'ala who looked at this man, and Umar made this comment quite a few times. Whenever someone gave us put on better clothing, why don't you get a better vehicle or a better mode of transport when meeting the Byzantine uh, patriarch. So Umar anhu said to this person, and he said it a few times, this famous statement of his, he said to him, نَحْنُ قَوْمٌ اللَّهُ بِالْإِسْلَامِ We are a people whom Allah had elevated. Allah gave us izzah, Allah gave us honor, Allah gave us dignity through Islam. It is through Islam that we earn the honor 
that we enjoy today. And he said to this person, فَلَا نَطْلُبْ بِغَيْرِ اللَّهِ بَدِيلًا You are telling me that if I change my clothes and I change the vehicle, I will earn honor? How can I replace that with that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given me honor through? You're telling me to cast the Islam aside, which is the source of honor, and replace it with a garment and a mode of transport? Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, before coming to Al-Jabiyah, he wrote a letter to the commander-in-chief, Abu Ubaidah ibn jarrah He invited him and all the generals to come and meet him and receive him at the city of Al-Jabiyah. So while he is there in that city of Al-Jabiyah, here you find that uh, the generals and the commanders of the Muslim army, years have gone by. And they did not see Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. The last time they were with Umar, he was a sahabi, an ordinary sahabi. Well, not an ordinary sahabi, but he was not a khalifa. He was not the Amir al-Mu'mineen. So years go by, and now they meet Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu as the leader of the faithful. فَكَانَ أَوَّلَ مَنْ Yazid ibn Abi Sufyan. The first one who met him was Yazid ibn Abi Sufyan. ثُمَّ Abu Ubaidah. Then the commander-in-chief, Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, thumma Khalid ibn al-Walid, another general comes forward, Khalid ibn al-Walid, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, they all are coming to receive Umar, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He waits a while, and then there are other sahaba, Umar ibn al-As, when Umar ibn al-As and Shurahbir ibn Hassanah, when the two of them arrive, Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu is already seated on his mount, the two of them rush and they grab the knees of Umar and they began kissing the knees of Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu was really huge. You know, I can give you some incidents to show what a giant he was. He was massive. And he hugged them too, both of them. These great commanders and generals, he hugged them towards himself and he, he embraced them. Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he left the people of Al-Jabiyah with a very beautiful message. We don't have time to go into that. He gave a khutbah on that occasion. However, he proceeded towards the land of Jerusalem. When he arrives, Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu is requested to change again into new clothes and to remove the garments which has 17 patches on it because he will be received in a reception of pomp and glory. And again, Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu tells the sahaba that look, Allah gave me izzah through Islam. Allah did not give me izzah through the material things of this world and the possessions of this world. On that occasion, Umar radiallahu ta'ala who requested from Abu Ubaidah ibn Jarrah, the commander-in-chief, he asks him and he says to him, that take me to your home, of Abu Ubaidah. Abu Ubaidah says, no, I can't. I won't take you to my house. Umar says, I'm insisting. Take me to your home. So he is obliged and compelled. He takes Abu Ubaidah. When, when he takes, Abu Ubaidah takes Umar radiallahu ta'ala who, when he arrives there, Umar radiallahu ta'ala who comes into a very humble and simple dwelling. And he sees nothing, no provision in that home. And he asks, he asks Abu Ubaidah, don't you even have anything to eat? Abu Ubaidah ibn jarrah presents some water and dry pieces of bread. Umar radiallahu ta'ala says, what is this? Abu Ubaidah says, O Nabi of Allah, it is enough to get me to the other side. And Umar begins to cry. And he says to Abu Ubaidah, O Abu Ubaidah, the dunya has changed all of us, but the dunya has not changed you. One who then proceeds, and you have the archbishop, the patriarch, Sophronius. 
He comes out in all his pomp and in all his glory to Rishab radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Umar radiallahu ta'ala turned to be walking and the slave seated on the mount and the camel. And he enters Jerusalem like this while walking and leading the camel of his servant. He is surrounded by the commander-in-chief and the Muslim generals as they make their way into Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa or the land of Jerusalem. When he comes there, Sophronius receives him and the first thing they do is they go to the church of the Holy Sepulchre. Now you might ask, why do they go to the church of the Holy Sepulchre? Because the church of the Holy Sepulchre was the parliament as well. Like Al-Madinah Al-Munawwara, Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam received delegations from around the world in Al-Masjid al-Nabawi because Al-Masjid al-Nabawi served as the parliamentary seat of the Muslim world. And that was the case over here. They were going to engage in negotiations. They were going to sign a treaty. They were going to sign a pact. And it happens in the church of the Holy Sepulchre. So he's there and the pact and the treaty is signed and the keys are handed over to Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu goes to al-Masjid al-Aqsa. The site. There is no masjid there at the time. And when he comes there, the first thing he does, he prays to Rah. He has fulfilled the prophecy of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He prays to rakats of salah in al-Masjid al-Aqsa. The first man of this ummah was Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He fulfilled the prophecy of Rasulullah, prophecy of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The time of salah comes. The time of salah arrives. Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu looks around. Who will call out the adhan? Umar says, Bilal, you will call out the adhan. Bilal says, O oh, Nabi of Allah, since the time of oh, 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 Umar, since the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa passed away, I never call out the adhan. Umar says, you will call out the adhan. Bilal calls out the adhan, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. All the Sahaba burst out crying, weeping, remembering and thinking the days of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Umar radiallahu ta'ala turns around, istawu wa'tadilu, straighten yourselves. What a scene that might have been. What a wonderful salah. Umar is in the front. Behind him he has Khalid ibn al-Walid, Abu Ubaidat ibn al-Jurah, Mu'ad ibn al-Jabal, Shurahbir ibn al-Hassana, great, great sahaba. And there's a better salah than that. Perhaps the best salah that was performed on planet earth was on Laylatul Mi'raj at that very spot when the Imam was Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he turned around and he said to the congregation straighten yourselves and who was there? Adam alayhi salam Nuh alayhi salam Hud alayhi salam Salih alayhi salam Ibrahim alayhi salam what a sight that might have been no salah of that caliber, of that status, was performed anywhere else. Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, Imam Al-Muttaqeen, Imam Al-Anbiya Al-Mursaleen, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, was responsible for offering that Salah with the Anbiya Alayhi Wasallatu Wasallam as his congregation. There is much to mention about the great conquering of Umar radiallahu ta'ala of the land of Jerusalem and the land of Palestine. I leave you with the advice that Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu left the people of that region with. Before departing from Jerusalem, he said to them, I have a piece of advice for every one of you. He says, Allah has given you honor, Allah has given you victory, Allah has given you 
the dunya and Allah has opened up the world main grateful to Allah by remaining in the obedience of Allah. Do not ever become ungrateful by falling in the disobedience of Allah. The moment you will do that, Umar tells them and he warns them, the moment you will do that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take away from you the honor that he had given you through Islam. Remain obedient to Allah, grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You will enjoy as an individual, as a community, as an ummah, you will enjoy honor from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so long as you remain in the obedience of Allah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us the understanding.